Hi, Janina. Hi, Emma. How are you doing? I'm not bad. How are you? I'm all right. There is a small dog outside of my window um, that keeps going bananas at something, <laughs> uh, possibly cats or passers-by. Um, just... But it's too hot in my office to shut the window, so if he joins in, then he's just a special guest. Yeah, saying something very important regarding his yeah. feelings on history. He has some real feelings about uh, cleanliness in history. Yeah, which is fair. Uh, I mean, yeah, someone's got to. Um, yeah, a lot of people have some feelings about this, as it turns out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what? Who are we and what do we do? Let's do that bit first. Oh, yeah. So we are Janina and Emma, and we do History is Sexy, which is where we answer your questions about history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ones that are too boring or complicated to Google. Um, yeah. Or that you just don't mostly have the complicated. time in your busy lives for looking yeah, it all up. To wade through all of the information we'll do it for you we're a public service really (laughs) we are Uh, what were we talking (laughs) what were we talking about this week this week we are talking about uh how smelly and gross the past was and whether it was or not um this is two questions um that we have amalgamated into one Mm -hmm. because they're basically the same question uh one is from ozzy arn and one is from hannah amos um and they basically ask uh how has the idea of public and personal hygiene changed over time um slash how smelly was the past specifically european cities Mm -hmm. um so we're going to be talking about cleaning and what people thought being clean was and whether the whether cities and people in the past were stinky and covered in shit great as they are almost always portrayed in popular culture yeah 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 it's gonna be uh less gross than it sounds (laughs) because people are people and they've always been people people people. and as it turns out um like spoilers for the rest of this episode but the answer to the question um how were they uh specific this is from um Ozian, he said, did people really poo out of windows like in Blackadder and were peasants really covered in shit like in Monty Python? And the answer is no. Yeah, no. Um, not unless there was something very wrong with them indeed. <laughs> Which is like a funny little bit of comedy, I suppose, but also doesn't hold up to the mo- like to the slightest bit of scrutiny when you consider like just basic <laughs> evolution. When you, yeah. when you look at how many animals, because plenty of animals keep themselves clean in one way or another like we used to have when i was a kid we had chinchillas for about five minutes before they suddenly (laughs) were like a luxury pet um and they clean them they have dust baths so you have to put this dust in their cage and they roll around in it to get clean there are plenty of animals that use water to bathe some even like rub themselves against nice smelling things to make themselves smell nice like the white-nosed coatie rubs itself on aspen trees to coat itself with camphor resin and spider monkeys rub themselves on like lemon trees to make themselves they do it once a day uh because they like the smell and um I don't know why we would assume that people are dirtier than animals. I mean, people don't think that hard about stuff, I think, as a general rule. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and two, it is um, largely, to my mind, progressivism, um, which is that kind of Whig history, which is that everything is getting better constantly. Mm-hmm. And if the world is getting better constantly, that means it has to be have been horrible in the past. Yeah. 
Um, and therefore the past has to be very gross because otherwise we aren't better. Um, and if we're not better, <laughs> then things aren't getting better. And if things aren't getting better, then what's even the point? Yeah. Um, I found a very good um, article by a woman called Dolly Jorgensen, um, who is my new favourite person as of today until I find another one. She's great. <laughs> um, who is an environmental historian um, who became infuriated by a Dan Snow documentary on the BBC mm-hmm. um, called Filthy Cities um, and was so cross about the depiction of medieval London in particular um, uh-huh. as being a filthy disgusting place where people are literally covered in poo all the time and everywhere there is like um, just human excrement kind of running ankle deep down the streets <laughs> and um, uh-huh. like there's no such uh, like and butchers and butchering animals and then just throwing so basically in order to walk down the road in this tv show you're having to walk through like uh two inches of poo urine rain and animal kidneys yeah um and she's so furious at this that she wrote a whole article about it that's amazing um, in which she's like actually here's all of the um laws and the people who were taken to court in the 1300s for dumping animal waste in the street and what actually happened and they were taken to court because you weren't allowed to fucking dump animal waste in the street you absolute bird (laughs) guess what people have always found that fucking gross yeah and literally everybody would have found it completely disgusting to walk through like ankle deep poo yeah um not least because as we will see um waste is one like just inherently disgusting yeah um, and yeah to uh, also quite valuable in a world before um nitrogen fertilizers yeah yeah um i think like, i think the thing is from everything that i've read is common across a lot of what we talk about in that people have always liked to smell nice and to have other people smell nice and to have things be clean yeah. but the degree to which they have had access to all of the things you need for that, like a lot of space and clean water and nice perfumes, yes. is disparate across the population. So rich people find it easier to be clean and smell nice. And that is true today. If you live in a squalid building that is cramped and that has the water is unreliable, then it's harder <laughs> than if you, yeah. you know, live in a fancy house in Pimlico or something. Yeah, the two like interconnected issues. I think one is that um, what cleanliness is is very different today to what it was basically any other point in the past, mm-hmm. um, because we know about bacteria now, yes. which nobody knew about, and so things in the past which looked clean and smelt clean, but we would not necessarily think were clean, yes, um, would be considered to be. Um, would be considered to be clean um, because they didn't know about bacteria. Um, And two, um, cleanliness is a constructed thing for the large part um, and it is changes in terms of both kind of society and your gender and your race Mm -hmm. and your um, kind of social surroundings and it is a marker of 
prestige um and it also kind of depends person to person and all i kept thinking about while i was reading about like cultural constructions of cleanliness and ideas of cleanliness is the fucking leg washing argument on twitter yeah yeah um and the amount of people who like on one hand in case you're not weren't on twitter like whenever this was seven years ago odd uh, <laughs> it still comes up occasionally um there was an enormous ongoing long-running fairly heated discussion about whether people scrubbed their legs in the shower like do you actively put soap on your leg and scrub them yeah um and about 50 percent of people were like my legs aren't dirty what do they do like yeah. <laughs> they just sit in trousers all day like unless some dirt like someone has been splashing them with dirt or i've been playing sport i'm not scrubbing my legs that's a waste of time and 50 percent of people were like your skin gets dirty, like you've got sweat on it, you've been in clothes all day, you need to scrub those legs. Um, <laughs> um, and it became quite a thing. Um, yeah. And the two sides just had fundamentally different ideas of what dirty was. Like, does it have visible dirt on it? Does it Has it got grub? Um, or is it, is it do you have to scrub or... your skin? Yeah. 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 Um, and that's all I could think about for this whole thing. And that drove me mad at the time and drives me mad now. So it was very funny. <laughs> I, I had I had done a tweet about it before. I, I don't know if it was before it was like, I'd never seen it talked about on Twitter before, but it came up in, in an episode of, it was some, it was a plot point on You're the Worst, um, which is a TV <laughs> yeah. show I, I really loved. And um, Jamie and I, my partner, disagreed about it. And then I did a tweet asking, and it got the cursed ratio. ratio. It was like 52 to yeah. 48. Uh yeah, but I think personally, I was like, as I, I mean, I'd use tweet delete now, but it used to come back to bite me like fairly regularly, like every six months or so, someone would find it. But um, yeah. I, you know, I was like, if you are particularly if you shave your legs, you do a big lather and a, and a scrub down when you shave them every <laughs> like two or three days, and I think that I think that's enough for legs. They don't have a lot of sweat glands in them. They don't get that dirty. Yeah. I mean, I'm on the non-leg scrubbing side as well, um, yeah. but Connor is a leg scrubber, so... Yeah, Jamie is as well. Yeah. He thinks I'm revolting. That's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. and I think that, uh, that that's basically everything you need to know about how constructed cleanliness is <laughs> <laughs> and how personal it is as to whether you are clean or not. Um but there are some things like, is it covered in filth? Does it have shit on it? Um, and does it stink? Which um, there is a general perception that everyone in the past was stinky um, or filthy in some way. Yeah, um, which which doesn't, I mean, the, we, we evolved a sense of smell for a reason. And it's because it can tell us if things are dangerous to us or not. And smelling bad is a signifier that something might make us sick so yes the idea that we like just because we lived you know 500 years ago and we didn't have hot showers or understand germs that meant we would be fine with being stinky doesn't really hold up no yeah all right janina let's bust some myths let's do it shall we start in the stone age i've got some stone age stuff all right, tell me your Stone Age stuff because I don't know any Stone Age stuff. So hit me. It's just a little bit, but it's fun. It's uh, it also talk. So uh, in addition to knowing that um, lots of animals groom, they also groom in similar ways to people. In that there is a peak in grooming, in particular among primates, when they hit sexual maturity, which I like because it suggests that cleanliness nice. is next to sexiness. 
<laughs> not godliness. Not godliness. It's sexiness. It's sexiness. Um, but it's during the Neolithic period that Homo sapiens start to stay a bit more in one place and to build dwellings and to rely on what is around them where they are rather than going out to find stuff. Um, so there's a Neolithic settlement on Skara Bray, which is up in the Orkneys, um, built sometime between 31,000, uh, 3100 and 2500 BCE, um, which shows six houses. They're interconnected houses with passageways and stuff, and they all have like grooming stations with like dresses and shelves and water tanks and these mm. the style of water tanks they are they, they appear to be the first proper solution for a domestic water supply into your home um, and they could be heated with like you would take you would heat stones in the fire and then put the stones in the water to heat it so you could have a bath um nice. and then when you get to the bronze age we invented you know bronze so metal basins <laughs> and buckets and bath stuff start to appear around then this is also when uh, across the world and like a huge range of places including africa the americas asia, western asia and loads of europe uh, the colder parts I've put the colder parts of Europe so Finland Russia I, I, yep. Ireland um, have these it's when we start to develop uh, sweat bathing or stoving um, yes which or is stewing as they called stewing. it in, uh, yeah. Tudor England which is disgusting yeah and this gets into uh, the Romans as well Herodotus wrote about the Scythian uh, stoving yep. customs uh, where he talked about them washing their hair with soap and then entering a hut for a vapour bath uh, that included hemp seeds heated on stones and he talked about them enjoying it so much that they howled with a pleasure <laughs> which Amazing. I guess we can't really know how much that was because they were high and how much it was because they just really enjoyed a nice wee sauna I mean, everyone likes a sauna, right? I don't, um, I, you know, not for maybe me. Maybe they were just sitting on hot stones and being like, ooh. <laughs> maybe. Um, um, or maybe they were howling with pleasure. Who knows? I don't want to take that away from them. Yeah. So basically, the, as soon as we started like building places to live, we started finding ways to make those places able to help us be clean. <laughs> yeah. Um, once you get into more recent but ancient times i don't really know eras you'll have to be you know the ancient times you know when we dig up graves those times um, <laughs> um yep. but there are loads of graves from all sorts of different cultures that show how important personal grooming was basically as a rule to humans there's a celtic chief who was found buried with among other things a comb and a razor there are ancient graves in russia that have mirrors in them egyptian graves have combs, hairpins, eye palettes. Full, some cases have uh, full cosmetic travelling cases, which include compartments for oils and perfumes, as well as face paints. Um, you find uh, ancient... There are receipts from ancient Indian herbalists that include uh, receipts for hair oils and dyes and lice treatments, perfumed creams, teeth cleaners, mouth washes, deodorants, uh, mouth deodorants as well as deodorants for noses and armpits. I don't. I guess a nose deodorant is like to to deodorize what passes into your nose rather than out of I it. I think so. Yeah. Um, I assume so. I hope. Like unless, unless there was something that made that. I don't know. Noses bad. produce smell, but I don't know what that would be. I um, feel like it has to be like putting something under your nose to protect you from the smell. I, I, yeah, yeah, I would say. Um, also, in ancient societies, as 
developed cleanliness as part of hierarchical systems and particularly with the more clearly defined a caste or class system is the more important the hygiene component of that uh, which mm-hmm. is I think it's a thing that happens naturally anyway as we said you know earlier it's easier to keep yourself clean if you have money um, now yes. and forever but um, it also gets p- built into ideas of faith and religion and um, religious purity cultures that separate it out so much basically every culture about religious purity and cleanliness yeah and in parts of asia there are dirt demons who live in the body and are fixated on death and there are specific rituals for each type of dirt demon like there are vomit vomit eaters for example so there's a specific purification ceremony to deal with them um and that there's a the vedic theology which is uh from India at around 1500 BCE, every everything that came off a human body was monitored. Sweat, saliva, hair, like oh, if you wow. cut your hair, um, vomit and blood and sperm and afterbirth and obviously urine and poop. Um, yep, they were exclusive. They were they were obsessively monitored, and every distinct class had specific rules for how they needed to deal with it and how. Um, like how dedicated they needed to be to it and that was part of a religious duty that matched up with your place in society um and so how people were groomed was an explicit indicator of their religious status but that caused conflict because there were crucial parts of that society who were made impure by the service they provided like washer washermen and women and barbers who had to be in constant conflict contact with things that made them impure in order to help society as a whole meet these very specific um commitments um there are you can still find in india outdoor barbers following traditional practices which included and i really enjoyed this body shaving with specific designs like belly you shaving someone's belly into a particular specific design so you can find them near religious bathing sites um uh, particularly along the river ganges which is a holy uh holy river yeah um, there is also uh, sites that include this is more a dwelling thing again there's a Babylonian palace from um, Ishnana in Mesopotamia um, built around 2300 BCE which had five bathrooms and six toilets and include a hydraulic draining system that allowed clean water to come into the to the house and would recycle used water into the gardens to water the gardens it really speaks to my, I think, my age and also my rubbish hobbies these days that my immediate thought was, I wonder how much that would cost. Five bathrooms? Oh, five bedrooms, six bathrooms? Like, yeah, five, five bathrooms. <laughs> like, what's its location? I reckon you could get that for half a mil. <laughs> five bathrooms, six toilets, and um, have all of the water recycled out into the garden to water my yeah. nice pot. Sounds amazing, well, That actually. means you've got a garden as well. It does like, mean Depending on where that is, that sounds like a decent home. <laughs> It's interesting. Uh, but then again, I'm also on a lot of ridiculous real estate subreddits where that could equally be a very hideous home. It's very, it's very interesting the way this just tips over into to, into the way you think about your life. I read a comment somewhere that uh, talked about how in Japan, it's uh, no, you don't have a toilet in your main bathroom. Like that is considered unhygienic and dirty. So it's just not, mm-hmm. it's always in its own separate room. And I and I read that and I was like, yeah, I yeah, that is a good I yeah. And now when I browse 
right move for houses I can't afford. I'm like, oh, this would be better if the toilet wasn't in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Could I put a wall here? <laughs> yeah, can I, can, is there a cupboard I can convert into a toilet so that I don't have to have one in my bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that, though, because that suggests, right, like, the thing with... So I love I love like an American real estate because British real estate is samey, mm-hmm. um, but Americans they have a lot of space and a lot of individualism and so they like to custom build stuff and it's very fun. Um, yeah. And but the thing is that they will always have more like a good expensive house like kind of mansiony stuff. Yeah. Always has more bathrooms than it does bedrooms. So every bedroom has a bathroom. And then there's and like then a main upstairs a one and a main downstairs one. Yeah. yeah um and it, so that nobody is sharing bathrooms basically which i find kind of fascinating because like when have you ever seen a house where yeah. there's more bathrooms than there are bedrooms I, in the uk or anywhere else my, my, but uh, this means that the babylonians was it babylonians were obviously feeling the same about that like i don't want your urine in my yeah bathroom. you go do your urine in your own place my yeah. my wildest dreams is is that I can have a house that has a guest room with an ensuite, um, and oh. even then I'm like that would feel ridiculous. There are only two of us. It would be ridiculous to live in a house with two bathrooms. But also, I <laughs> I, I do want to, I do want one. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have a dream. Yeah. <laughs> Support the podcast so that one day I can have a house. <laughs> <laughs> one day we'll get there so that Janina can have two bathrooms. <laughs> Uh, yes. Anyway. So yes, my one last uh, little spiel is um, back to Egypt, where aristocrats. It was part of the daily routine to start to have an hour of the bath. That was the first. You got up and before you saw anyone, you had an hour of the bath that included breakfasting and also all of your ablutions and maintenance and making yourself, uh, you know clean and smelling nice and and ready to face the day and then at the end of the day there was another full toilet um and all of this included hot water bathing skin oiling perfumed unguents um perfume itself was a massive deal the special occasions uh would warrant a head cone from which perfumed Mm. wax would drip through a person's hair and down their shoulders which then meant that when they, you know, the party was over and they went to wash it off, all of their skin and hair and all of their clothes were like lovely and soft and shiny and silky because they just had this nice, nice uh, wax dripping down them. There was an Egyptian rubbing oil called uh, Mendesian Ungent, which became popular around the whole Mediterranean that was made from oil of ben and a resinous myrrh. Um, but it developed over time. So by the end of Tutankhamun's reign, it included almond oil, olive oil, cardamoms, sweet rushes, honey, wine, myrrh, seen of balsam, galbanum, and turpentine. Um, but okay. it was yep. uh, goes soon, downhill at the end there. It does. It does. I mean, I guess the turpentine is like a clean stuff. You, you know, it is. You wash your hands with turpentine. Something- when you've been doing a bit of painting. It gets the paint off. Yeah. I don't know. I suppose um, it keeps everything liquidy. Yeah, this was it was expensive though, so for only only for fancy people, and uh, normal people would have to of make course. do with castor oil or olive oil. Um, it's not. Yeah. Also in India, perfumed pastes and oils were everywhere. There was like a basically hair, essentially a hair gel or hair um, wax that was made that heavily perfumed and could mould your hair into different shapes. And women as well, yeah. like they were washed would wash their hair with oil like nice smelling oils and stuff all the time because people like to smell nice people like to smell nice yeah. this is a thing that 
Romans complain about a lot is people smelling too nice um, <laughs> because they think it's Eastern and girly. Sure, um, yeah. Because it's like such a thing from the East, um, like strong smelling perfumes and mm-hmm. putting waxes and oils in your hair and on your face to smell nice. Um, but Romans are much more about... Um, or in their ideal way, the kind of people who write things down in the Roman world are all more like um, bootstraps and simplicity. And yeah. not if you're putting too much effort into your appearance, then you're decadent and luxurious and you should be eating nothing but cabbages and um, <laughs> only rubbing yourself with good Italian olive oil. And yeah. um, You wash yourself anything. with soap and water and anything else. It's too fruity. They don't have soap. Well, um, yeah. One of the interesting things about the Romans is that they um, were kind of obsessive about um, cleanliness in a lot of ways. Um, in that, obviously, they have public baths mm-hmm. um, and um, bathing is a very public thing, um, and cleaning is a very public thing for the most part, except cleaning hands and feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're really obsessive about scrubbing and getting and like bathing publicly once a day and showing that you are doing it yeah Um, but at at the same time they never developed soap well Um, they did the best they could (laughs) yeah i mean that wasn't really something that was important to them no Um, water and oil did what was needed yeah and got the dirt off and soap is a thing which develops when you start thinking about tiny little like soap develops in as a thing that everyone has and everyone buys it is um, probably better for your skin to wash with oil instead of soap because soap does quite possibly like i've been i was told once by a dermatologist that i should not be using a lot of soap and water because of my terrible skin um but i mean you just you've got to wash things so you do um and this is the thing is that if you have been told that in the past you go all right when you soap then but now you know about bacteria i do unfortunately <laughs> i do and it would be a lot easier um, if you didn't. Yeah. Well. Um, <laughs> a lot of this comes from um, a book called Clean by Virginia Sarah Smith, mm-hmm. um, which is an interesting book. Um, she is less comfortable. We were just talking about this. She is less comfortable talking about the ancient world than she is talking about the modern world. But um, she um, p- puts forward or kind of puts forward this theory that. Um, until the Greeks, basically, um, cleanliness was about cosmetics and was about um, adding things for a large part and covering smells um, and um, decorating. Um, And then the Greek um, personal hygiene as a philosophy um, was related to um their theology and was related to um the concept of cleanliness and health were linked together Mm. in their minds um and that that's they from there we get hygiene basically Mm -hmm. which is true because they have the greek goddess hygieia um which is becomes complicated frankly so greek um and roman cleanliness is largely about bathing in um in public places um Mm. and a good vigorous sluicing um (laughs) uh which is good fun um 
Greek and uh, particularly Roman baths are a really big deal. Um, Greek bathing is more kind of commonly associated with athletics. Um, like mm. you go and do some athletics and then you have a bath. Um, and then Roman bathing is like considered to be you do some baths and then maybe you do some athletics. But it's basically they're doing the same thing. Is that you have like a big spa place Mm-hmm. <laughs> where you go and do your healthy activities which includes um sweat baths and going through the three like you have your cold room and then your warm room and then your hot room and you have a good scrape down with some olive oil and you do some wrestling or some weightlifting or some boxing um and some good manly activities <laughs> um and then when you you probably have something to eat and maybe a quick shag and then um, you've had a good afternoon out, basically. I mean, yes, uh, it's fair. It's and you're long. clean inside and outside. <laughs> uh, but it's a lot like, you know, you go to the gym, you do your weightlifting, you have a sauna, you have a swim and then you come home. Yeah, it's a nice, nice uh, day. Yeah. Um, and that is um, considered to be a very much a, a a social good, like it is a social obligation to be doing this kind of thing. Mm. Um, and to be filthy is to be bad and gross and you wouldn't get invited to any parties. Yeah. Um, this isn't really linked to health, though, particularly. Um, it's just that nobody likes a smelly man. Yeah, it's, unple- um, it's unpleasant to smell excessive body odour. I think we are united on that. Yes. Um, but the kind of Greek and Roman um, perspective on health was there was all to do with humours mm. um, and then to do with mechanics of how those humours were moving around the body, uh, which is extremely fun because it meant that almost all of their major... Um, health interventions were have a hot bath, have a cold bath, or have a bleeding. Mm. Um, and <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> uh, either the humours are moving too much, or they're not moving enough, or <laughs> uh, yeah. or we just need to get some out of you. Um, there's a lot of like grinding weird stuff up and taking them um, in order to like balance out your humours, but that's basically it. Um <laughs> But as a kind of general sense, like being civilized is um is cleanliness, and they don't like people who aren't civilized, and they don't like people who don't wash. And like the first thing they'll build in any city is a bath. Yeah. Um, do you read a lot about how actually? So it's kind of a kickback with particularly the Romans because the Romans had such um complicated and um kind of technologically advanced sewerage and water movement Mm. um and they had really impressive um mechanisms for moving water around the empire moving water around for um things like plumbing indoor plumbing and hypercourts um where hot water runs along underneath the floor to keep everything warm and um and sewage to move sewage like to get the like shit and piss yeah. out of the out of the, way. Uh, out of the city yeah yeah um because they have all of this there is there was this tendency for a long time particularly in the 19th century when everybody got all wanky about the romans mm-hmm. 
to be like, oh my goodness, the Romans were the pinnacle of cleanliness. Um, and we that's what we need to get back to. Um, and a lot of the like 19th century European um, kind of push towards public health interventions like proper sewers mm. um, and sewage systems um, and sanitation systems that were municipal was to... Um, hark back to the Romans and say we need to get back to the glory days of the good, clean Roman people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then more recently, there's been a pushback from that, which has gone kind of in the hard other direction. And if you Google like Roman bars, quite a lot of what comes up is stuff like actually the Roman bars were disgusting. <laughs> um, which quotes like um, some emperors saying the baths are totally grim when I go in them. Um, yeah. Which, one, you're like, how often is the emperor going to the public baths? Come now. Um, <laughs> and two, they probably were a bit grim towards the end of the day. But, yeah, because um, you do have to, like, you, water Water doesn't make dirt magically dissolve. It just puts it in the water. So if lots of yeah, people exactly. put their dirt in the water, then the water becomes dirty. Um, and a lot of, um, like, people... Like, when HBO's Rome came out, a lot of what it got um, praised for was not doing the white columns, white togas thing, but showing Rome as a city, which is kind of grim Mm. um, and dirtier. And and it doesn't go fully into it, which I appreciate. But um, Mm. this idea that, that actually Roman streets were like medieval streets and you were walking through six inches of shit and um animal dung and as if there weren't people whose profession it was to collect that up and yeah clean the street yeah um, i mean it is a re- it is it is a reality that if you live in a society where transport is based on animals and not cars then you know animals do shit because they have to but that doesn't mean that it's just left there to be trampled around yeah that it's left there forever and ever and ever. Yeah, and it just backs yeah. up until the streets are made of it and you can't walk anywhere without getting it on you. <laughs> no, yeah, which yeah. would definitely be an issue for basically everybody. Exactly. Um, yeah, so there's been a kind of pushback. And I suspect that, yeah, there were definitely times where if you went to the baths um, on a busy day or towards the end of the day, like there would be kind of oil in the water and possibly bits of food wrapper mm. and... Um, People grow sweat and it probably would not be somewhere that you would... It is standing water, like, yeah. without chlorine. Like, there is little to no chance that you could get me to go in it. Um, I mean, even... Again, even because I know about bacteria. <laughs> even today where you have public pools that have chlorine, they still get need to be cleaned daily with, like, someone fishing out the stuff that's got in there and... Well, yeah, all well, the yeah. plasters and locker keys. Exactly. Um, yeah. Then I got really distracted um, by reading about Roman toilets for like several hours. I'm really excited to hear about the toilets. <laughs> um, which turned out to be freakishly fascinating um, because like, I think if you say Roman toilet, everyone just immediately goes to the big public toilets, mm-hmm. um, which fair enough, um, because they do look a bit mind boggling. Um and they are huge, like they're big public toilets where all it's just like a kind of semicircle of toilet seats all next to each other where everybody's sitting next to each other having a poo, mm-hmm. um, which feels mental. Uh, <laughs> but I got really into like the um, 
mechanisms of those so they are largely connected to baths and public spaces so that you can go for a wee if you are um you know if you're at the baths all afternoon or if you're out and about um and they are flushing Mm -hmm. um so there is a constant like the most advanced one have a constant run of water running around the channel at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So at your feet, there's a channel of water, basically. So everything that goes in there is just immediately washed away. Well, yeah, well, that basic, that's just a channel of water running around at your feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you poo into the pit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you um, sluice water down in order to kind of wash anything away that is left behind with invisibility. Um yeah so it swooshes it all away um and then you can also use that water that's kind of running around like you like depending on what you use to clean your bum um (laughs) you can use your hand or you can use a shell or whatever or the sponge on a stick that everybody always likes to talk about yeah like you would give that a rinse in that water as well if you want to hear more about the sponge on the stick it's in a previous episode Yes, yeah. it is. Um, or do you, literally anything that Caroline Lawrence does because she loves the sponge on a stick. Um, <laughs> and she is, I think, possibly, I think possibly, she might be the world expert on the sponge on a stick. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, so, like, that, and so everything gets washed away. Um, so nobody actually has any contact with it or anything like that, except the people who are paid to have contact with it. <laughs> um, but then I got really into reading about private toilets mm-hmm. um so basically every house has a private toilet even like wooden insulae um which are like wooden high-rise buildings have a private toilet um mm-hmm. which depending on the whether it's a drop toilet into a into just a pit um or whether it is a flush toilet into the sewers um is depends on the city basically and mm-hmm. it just depends on the setup of the city but virtually every house has one so it's not like you're having to go out for a wee or anything yeah. um, everybody has some kind of private toilet which is mostly either in or attached to the kitchen mm-hmm. um which is kind of fascinating <laughs> i wonder and if that's really... because they were also used to dispose of food waste it is because they were used to a full waste and also because that is where the water was. Sure. Um, you don't if so, you can have water on one part of your house you don't need it into. Exactly. I mean and also they don't know about oh, the bacteria oh, thing. They don't know about the uh, thing where you should have a guest bathroom in in your guest room. And they don't know about that. No. It did really make me think of all I could think about was this house that we saw when we were looking for a house a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And we went and saw like a new build place. Um that was it like one of these new build estates mm-hmm. um and they were advertising like two bathrooms so a main bathroom and then like a downstairs guest loo yeah um but the house was so tiny like in order to get as many onto the plot as they possibly could that it was effectively in the kitchen like, <laughs> and there was obviously no separate dining room so there was like the setup in the show home was that there was a kitchen with a dining table in it and then the bathroom like the downstairs toilet was maybe two and a half foot away from the guest from the dining table <laughs> that is, that is <laughs> and extremely the same awkward. away from the oven so if you had guests around to dinner like they you'd have to send them upstairs anyway because <laughs> they'd yeah. be closer to you while they were having a whiz than they would be if they were sitting at your dining table <laughs> 
But on the upside, if you needed to keep an eye on a pan and have a poo at the same time... It's very convenient. Very convenient, because you could probably stir something from the loo. But um, I just, I just don't have the downstairs. Just have, have it be... Obviously, they can charge more for a two-bedroom thing, but still bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so it's like that, basically. Um, but everybody has one. Um, they have no trap for smells, but um, everything... Um, goes down and then there are professional people who um collect the waste mm-hmm. so in um and if it's not going from a sewer then if it's in a cesspit which many are then people come around like the urine leaks away just goes into the ground mm-hmm. fine bye-bye um and then the um hard waste people come around and collect it and take it out to be used in the fields as fertilizer Sure, useful. Um, and you pay someone to come and take it all away when it needs to be. This is my favourite fact that I learned from um, the book on toilets that I read, which is that when, as they've excavated these, um, and they're being excavated more because they're really interesting places because obviously loads of stuff gets thrown down them. Mm. Um, several, the trap that was um, used to empty them, like the outside... Um, entrance uh, (laughs) is was open um and which suggests that they were being emptied when vesuvius started to erupt imagine if that was your final moment yeah well presumably they made a run for it presumably Um, they did but um they were yeah they were still um like being emptied someone is in the process of emptying them and then they have to start running because ash starts pouring down on their head yeah um yeah so that was a job that people did um but anyway i got massively obsessed with with reading about how toilets worked in the roman world and how toilets worked in the rest of the world um and um how everybody has always had some kind of way of separating man from poo basically yeah (laughs) we do not like to be Um, near it we don't like to perceive it (laughs) <laughs> like yeah, it to be gone um, like just at a very gut level um, <laughs> we do not we don't care for it <laughs> yeah um, no matter you don't even need to come up with a rationalization just don't want to be near it really <laughs> it is it is one of the things that you can you there are a lot of there are a lot of moments when we've discovered something or invented something where you're like this was excellent well done humanity but inventing an indoor flushing toilet Really, I think, is up there for the top spot. Like, what it is. What a triumph. Although it was not always considered to be very... Like, having the indoor toilet. When people moved from the outdoor toilet to the indoor toilet, a lot of people were like, mm, don't know how I feel about having this in my house. But, mm, the, yeah. the first time you use that thing on a particularly cold, rainy day, you're like, actually, yeah, no, this I think is fine. Yeah, people probably got over it. <laughs> um, anyway, now I'm going to skip straight over several hundred years of history um, and goes to the late medieval period. Great. Um, because not a lot of changes. There is, nobody really talks about the early medieval period. Nobody um, cares enough about the early medieval period to say <laughs> anything bad about it, uh-huh. basically. Um, but a lot of it comes under the um, same assumptions which apply to the whole medieval period, which is that it was super disgusting mm. um, and people were covered in shit. So um, we're going to largely skip over anything that was happened there because nothing interesting was happened and skip to the high medieval and um, late medieval period. Mm-hmm. 
where all the world, whenever you see it in any kind of um, popular culture, is a place of filthy people and filthy cities and stinky people. You simply cannot have a shot along a medieval street without someone throwing a bucket of shit out a window. Yeah, or jokes about people pooing out of a window, or... um, somebody mentioning like the fact that elizabeth the first boasted that she only that she bathed once a month whether she needed it or not mm-hmm. um and the idea in um ian mortimer who i assume is a very nice man livia's come to visit so if you can hear her purring <laughs> <laughs> um ian mortimer wrote like a bunch of things like the time traveler's guide to X period of England, like medieval England and Restoration England and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and as such, much like horror histories, it comes in for a lot of quite personal attacks. <laughs> but um, like Samuel Pepys records one visit to Bath to have a bath in the baths. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mortimer <laughs> claims that he only had one bath in the ten years of his diary keeping. Sure. Um, things like that. Louis the Fourteenth, God bless him. Um, had two baths in his entire life, one of which he enjoyed so little that he um, got a massive headache and had to have a lie down for the rest of the day. Um, a sensitive young man, um, and both of which were um, pres- were kind of doctor's orders situation. Um, and these kind of things come up a lot as um, people not washing, um, but... There is a difference between washing and bathing. Yeah. Bathing is going to the baths or having a bath where you are fully immersed in water. And then just sitting, Um, chilling in it for a time. And sitting, chilling in it for a time. And usually that means going to a place and doing it unless you're the queen and you have your own one. And um, like, to be fair, if that is the definition, I never do it. Yeah. I almost never have a bath. No, neither. Um, because I find them boring. Yeah, you're stuck in a hot in hot soup and there's nothing to do. Yeah, and you have to kind of try not to drop anything in it. Yeah. Um. So if that is the case, I have not had a bath in a while. Yeah. Um, and people would say that about me. But that does not mean that they did not wash. Um, <laughs> and this, I think, is Shockingly. an important... <laughs> difference that gets lost in the translation of English to English Uh, (laughs) Uh um, which is people read having a bath and think that that requires all washing but it doesn't it is all kinds of um, ways of washing and being clean that don't involve having a bath Um, most commonly a good a good scrub in a bowl of water um, yeah, there's a reason a why the, every room, ha- every bedroom has like a bit pitcher and a bowl system yeah. in it. That that you know, the if you're a rich person, the servants are going to bring you a fresh jug of water in the morning, and you pour it in the bowl and you have a wash. Exactly. And uh, Louis the Fourteenth, bless him, um, because we know a lot about Louis the Fourteenth, was scrubbed daily uh, with linens, mm-hmm. um, soaked in wine sometimes <laughs> for his Ooh. face fancy <laughs> um uh, and was given a good all over scrubbing um and also changed clothes and linens linens is a really big deal due the in the late medieval early modern period that we will get to linens were also um, a big deal in ancient egypt like the development of linen is like mind-blowing technology yeah um so there is this whole thing in 
this whole kind of historiographical argument going on in particularly early modern um, scholarship uh, and the late medieval stuff as well, mm. which is um, that this guy called Georges Vigarillo, uh, who's a French guy, um, yeah. posited in the 1980s that um, early modern and late medieval people were completely averse to water, um, tried not to go near water at all as much as they could, were um, considered it to be actively bad for you mm-hmm. um, and did everything they could not to wash their bodies with water um, and that instead they developed a... Uh, a doctrine of cleanliness which was based on linens that you wore next to your body which mm-hmm. is like your under clothes so for men it's a shirt and kind of under breeches mm-hmm. um and for women it is a kind of bestie thing uh, a shirt and the uh, shift your shift underneath yeah um and that the that was considered to kind of leech away all of your um clothing all of your kind of grossness which is um, which is not um not wrong really because linen is really absorbent so sweat it's it's gonna it's gonna absorb sweat from your body so keep it yes. in the linen instead of and on your skin is definitely evidence of this kind of thing um because what you have is things like this french guy who's an architect who stopped putting big private baths into fancy houses um mm-hmm. so like baths where you a whole room that is a bath yeah. like not just a bathroom um we can do this without them more easily than the ancients because of our use of linen which today serves to keep the body clean more conveniently than could the steam baths and baths of the ancients who were denied the use and convenience of linen hmm. um and there is a lot about um the idea of linens as um both defining cleanliness and being a form of making oneself clean. Yeah. Uh, and this is aided by the fact that there was a strain of medical thought which argued that um, bathing, so not washing, but bathing, mm. um, was really bad for you because it allowed bad air to get into your body. Sure, they did. They were very worried about the bad air. Yes, so the main overarching theory of disease for the Middle Ages and the early modern period, um, right up until germ theory, was that miasma, or bad air, was responsible for disease. Mm. Um, In that they understood that disease could be carried in the air. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But therefore, so 16th century book called, and I love the title of this book, which is why I chose this as my example, (laughs) This is the Mirror or Glass of Health amazing unbelievable um (laughs) just so good this is the mirror or glass of health like my favorite part is the fact that he couldn't decide in the middle like is it a mirror is it a glass doesn't matter we're going with both and Uh, and flesh or (laughs) yeah um advised use not baths or stews nor sweat too much for all openeth the pores of a man's body and maketh the venomous air to enter and for to infect the blood so it was not just air it was ears air if it was allowed to enter through the skin yes Mm -hmm. um so the idea was that your pores would open so sweat could get out um and then that would let the bad air in and then that would get into your blood and then you would get syphilis Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm um which was a big issue (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so, like, his work, um, Vigorillo, kind of became, like, the basis of thought mm-hmm. um, for a long time and that people didn't... And it's kind of helped by the fact that across Europe, um, people started shutting down baths and stews and steam baths and things like that. Mm. Um and a lot of places got, uh, like, public bathing facilities got closed down. Um, like, by Henry VIII, for example, closed yeah. loads of them down. Um, it's posited by other people that it was actually the spread of syphilis that was causing a lot of this. Like, nobody knew where syphilis came from. It just suddenly, okay. like, there were real syphilis outbreaks. Yeah. And, uh, and that they kind of spread across Europe and it scared the shit out of people. Yeah. Um, but these things come together to build this idea that um, medieval, late medieval, modern people in the 16th, 17th century were very afraid of water and wouldn't wash. Um, and all they would do is change their underclothes um, and consider that them to be clean. Um, <laughs> but once again, you will note that everything says bathing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it does not say washing or anything like this. I say baths or stews, not sweat too much. Um, and they're closing down public bathing facilities, not private bathing facilities. Yeah. Um, and you can wash as much as you like at home. And indeed, at the same time, soap was considered to be one of the eight staple domestic necessities mm. um, considered in a tax law. Um, which do you want to know what the other seven were? They're quite good. Yes, definitely. I'm going to see if you have these in your house. All right, soap is number one. I do have that in my house. Several varieties. Okay. Beer. Uh yes, I think so. But if not, then usually. <laughs> Often cloth. Definitely, we've got some cloth. Uh, salt. Definitely got a couple of different salts. Glass. A lot of glass. <laughs> Leather. Yes, we've got some leather. Not like not like free use leather, but items made of leather. <laughs> Definitely. I assume they're referring to shoes there and maybe coats. Yeah, we've got some dancing. shoes and some jackets and some bags. Yeah. Yeah. Um, candles. Yes. I mean, probably um, fewer than was than they needed because mine are just for like, you know, making things smell nice and not being able to yeah. see my way around. And they're not the house. made of animal fat, so they're probably not they're gross not. in and of themselves. No. Um, and finally, spirits. I think we've got some gin, so I guess yeah. that counts. We've probably so actually, you, you know you. what? We've also got some whiskey. There you go. Yes. Um, so you're doing well. Yeah, I've got all the um, essentials. So those, those are all your essentials that you need um, in the 17th century. Mm-hmm. Your eight domestic staples. Um, interestingly, none of them are food except salt. But sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I assume that that's because they weren't importing that much food. But mm. anyway, um, there's that. And then I found this book which came out last year, which is by a fashion historian called Susan North, mm-hmm. um, who um, appears to have turned the entire field on its head. And I read this one review of it that was like, it's not often that you feel like you're living through a period of hist- like great historiographical change and was a bit awed by her, um, <laughs> which I found to be kind of wonderful. It's amazing. Um, Yes, and her book is called, uh, what is it called? It's called Sweet and Clean, Bodies and Clothes in Early Modern England, mm-hmm. and it came out last year. Um, and she basically goes through um, advice literature and everything she can find on practice, mm-hmm. um, the practice of washing anything at all um, in 
early modern England and it's just like look people obviously fucking washed all right (laughs) (laughs) um and just because people say that they don't um bathe and just because they have these kind of specific issues doesn't mean that they didn't yeah stand in their garden and have a scrub every day yeah or she's just got like everything like there's a story from uh, like law courts of um this the kind of pre-modern prank that you get where somebody inevitably dies um because the pre-modern world was kind of horrible um (laughs) where like a bunch of guys are um washing in a stream and they're all nude and then someone kind of jumps on them and holds one of them underwater for a bit too long um (laughs) And you're like, okay, so people were washing in a stream. In river. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so she just collects like such a huge amount of evidence from advice, advice literature on how to raise your baby by washing them twice a day and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just so much information about how people definitely washed at least yeah. every so often. <laughs> and how if you didn't wash, you were considered to be grosso. Um, like if you refuse to wash then or if you didn't wash then somebody would write like tell their friends that you were disgusting and not invite you to a party yeah um, yeah cause... and there were definitely people who didn't like who um like every so often on reddit advice forums you get somebody who writes in eight out of ten it is about a boyfriend but sometimes it's about a girlfriend who's like my boyfriend is perfect in every possible way and i love them completely and they're just the best person in the whole world except they haven't cleaned their teeth since last november (laughs) Uh yeah um and they only wash once a month and they wear have been wearing the same pair of pants um the same way a pair of like boxer shorts yeah since 1997 yeah although um, i've seen the reddit ones where it's like my boyfriend won't wipe his ass properly and he keeps doing yes, shit everywhere. he thinks it's gay yeah, yeah. It's, it's gay to wipe <laughs> your ass too too thoroughly um, um yeah and then everybody always says you should get them a b-day um and um and people get weird about b-days which is funny yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but um but yeah, there's always somebody who won't join in societal norms. Yeah, there are always weird mean... people who don't want to be clean. And like, I mean, as we mentioned last week when we announced this topic, we, there has been an astonishing number of celebrities confessing to never, <laughs> never cleaning themselves <laughs> recently. Um, but as a rule, they are the reason. The reason that everyone got so up in arms about Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis admitting that they don't have showers or wash their children. Is that like that? That would have made everyone get up in arms about it five hundred years ago too, because people like to be yeah. clean and they like to be around clean people because bad smells are bad smells. Bad smells, bad smells. Even if you don't think they're giving you disease, but it's still just not very nice. It's just not very nice um, to be around. Yeah, um, there's kind of they're kind of part of this pushback of like, oh, you you shouldn't wash too often because it gets rid of your natural oils. Um, and you shouldn't use shampoo because it gets rid of your natural oils and that kind of naturalist yeah um like going back to nature going back to our real roots yeah yeah abandoned modernity kind of like um being being gross for goop reasons yeah exactly Mm. that is very bound up in very specific kind of ideologies of what is natural yeah um 
and uh, I'll be honest, which is of course like a luxury of rich white people that they get to determine that and say that that's why they're dirty because poor people and people of color are just assumed to not know any better and all sorts of nonsense like that. And the poor people or people of color who don't uh, wash in order to get back to nature are um, considered to be lazy or um, idle. Yeah. Or Or, or um, all of the wee racisms that we fall back on time and time again for Um, whatever reason. And a lot of the things that we have from the past that talk about, that give us this impression of the like medieval London, for example, being a disgusting place full of disgusting people, things like um, those gin alley um, etchings and things like that mm. that have... Um, I've, I've, have you ever seen the gin alley etchings? I'm suddenly occurs to me that you might not. Have. I have not. Gin uh, um, lane, they are the these etchings um, by Hogarth that were done... Um, in order to show the um, terrible impacts of gin um, and the contrast, <laughs> the contrast between um, what happened when people drank too much gin, which was being imported from um, the Netherlands, I believe, mm-hmm. in the 17th century, 18th century, I apologize, 1700s. Um, and so it has all of these images of people drinking gin who are not wearing proper clothes and women whose tits are out and babies mm-hmm. are falling over off of things and everyone is kind of filthy. Um, and um, there's kind of like this um, muddle of people, kind of limbs everywhere, and everyone is gross. Mm-hmm. Um, in comparison to good, healthful beer, where everybody is industrious. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, industrious and working hard and clean and wearing proper clothing and no tits at anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah yeah uh, and there's like all of these ideas of um the medieval city or the medieval world or in the ancient world or anything along those lines looking disgusting as quite often very rich people writing about how disgusting very poor people are for not living up to standards that they have invented yeah so, and without necessarily like, being super aware of what the daily lives of poor people are like and oh yeah they don't care in the They're same way as happens now and has happened since time immemorial Uh, Yeah, yeah. like things like not having, like having very clean collars and cuffs was a thing like during the linen situation. Mm. Um, People were obsessed with collars and cuffs, Um, having very, very clean, very, very, very white starched collars and Mm. cuffs. Which, of course, in order Um, to be able to have very clean collars and cuffs, you have to have a multiple of them so that they have time to be thoroughly cleaned between every time you wear them. Um, And you can't do any kind of work that involves touching anything yeah because you can't roll them up you can't like move them out of the way so you have to like you've got a life there that means that you don't yeah um, you don't have get to. any kind of grub on you. you don't really sweat because that would un like yellow the collar and yeah. things like that um so it's all about you know in fact it is ironically or not very ironically um a lot of uh displays of cleanliness are displays of idleness and leisure um, and having time and um having time and excess stuff where um displays of uncleanliness or idleness or laziness are displays of having a job that 
Like if you are the person who cleans out cesspits, for example. Yeah. Your collars and cuffs are unlikely to be clean all the time. It's the same reason that it used to be fashionable to have pale skin and now it's fashionable to be tanned because they are yeah. indicated they indicate that you don't have to do grunt work, don't basically. Work. Yeah. yeah. Um, exactly. And uh, tanning demonstrates that you have the leisure to go to lie around outside in foreign countries. Yes. Whereas um, it used to indicate that you had to work outside in the fields under the hot sun. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so the Susan North book basically goes through so much stuff and even down to, like, how do you clean linens? <laughs> yeah. Which it turns out is very hard indeed um, <laughs> and made me tired even thinking about it. Um, and, yeah, and you have to put a lot of effort into being clean and the reason that you put a lot of effort into being clean and do it is because uh, basically every time in history it has been important to be clean regardless of whether people thought it was making them ill or not yeah yeah that's my conclusion the conclusion is we don't like the bad smells we've never liked the bad smells we have always tried to mitigate them to the best of our ability and that that is different depending on how much money you have but it has always been a priority for everyone yeah um yeah um it is um and there are have always been times when it was important to clean up things. Yes. Um, I read a couple of things about public health innovations, or not innovations, but public health programs, I guess, and ways that people try to improve public health in medieval mm-hmm. cities um, in terms of, like, making sure that there were people who um, kept streets clean and tidy yeah. and making sure that there, like, there is a person whose job it is to collect dung. There is a person whose job it is to make sure that streets are swept and, or at the very least kept reasonably free of trip hazards and butcher's waste. And <laughs> that, um, there are, um, and keeping them safe as well. Yeah. Um, and there I've in that, um, uh, article that was in response to the uh, Dan Snow program, the Dolly Jorgensen one, mm-hmm. there was um, a lot where she had gone through legal complaints that had been made in the 14th century mm-hmm. <laughs> um, about people complaining about healthy health type things, basically, um, which were like um, people complaining about their next door neighbor's toilets Um and that they were too close to their land or that they um, had not been cleaned out properly. So, like, my next-door neighbour hasn't cleaned their latrine or hasn't cleaned their cesspit in six months and it's super gross and I don't like it, make them clean it. Um, (laughs) And one where a next-door neighbour had, um, like, basically the complainant had built their latrine up against their next-door neighbour's wall um, and then in out of crossness at that because it was ruining their wall yeah. with like the damp uh, mm-hmm. from the cesspit they had removed the wall <laughs> and, and so the people in the house with the latrine were now basically having to expose their bomb to the, <laughs> to the world <laughs> um, and so they went to court over it um, and then there was this amazing woman called Alice Wade Mm-hmm. who at some point between 1301 and 1309 had fashioned her own flush toilet in her house by connecting the seat of her latrine to the rainwater gutter. Um, hey! So that rainwater would run down, um, kind of 
clean out her latrine yeah. and then keep running into the gutters. Right. Um, but what that meant was that where the gutters dumped out the rainwater, which was usually <laughs> not a problem, it was now lumping out her shit. <laughs> Her neighbours were <laughs> unsurprisingly not very happy so with the pile extremely, extremely good for her and terrible for everyone yeah. else. <laughs> Somebody else was like, what just came out of the gutter? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> um, and so people were very interested in keeping their surroundings um, free of shit. Yeah, understandably, because um, it's gross and we don't like it. Yeah. Um, I think that's all there is to say about that. Yeah, how small it was the past, like, not very. Not as, like, probably more gross than you'd want it to be now, but that's because we have a hyper-awareness of cleanliness. Yeah, we're super um, aware of it. We have developed technologies that make it easier to to deal with things, but also we didn't suddenly start hating smells that we didn't hate before. Yeah, like, you might be exposed to somebody cleaning out a cesspit, which you are lucky enough that you don't have to now because everything is enclosed and no one has no one at all ever has to look at it yeah but somebody was removing it to a place where it was far away (laughs) um or you might be exposed to um more cow or horse poo than you are currently yeah but but there are somebody was still taking it away there are also moments you know sometimes uh sometimes the uh, maintenance workers go on strike and the rubbish piles up on the streets and then That's the true. city smells bad and like yeah because we have you know there are systems for getting rid of things like that and sometimes they break down yeah yeah um so that's the answer to that question yeah. i think not as gross as you think stop saying that the medieval past was horrible yeah it was fine um and um don't piss off um dolly jorgensen because she'll write a whole article about you yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, God bless her. What are we talking about next week, Janina? Next week we have a question from Anonymous. Anonymous. Which I think is going to be a crowd pleaser. It is, was there <laughs> ever a real historical figure that Jesus was based on? Um, I went to a Christian yeah. school and the ten plagues, Jesus and the Romans, etc. were taken as fact. And atheist me decided it was all made up, but I'm realising I don't actually know. Historical Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be a fun one. It's gonna be a real fun one. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, that's gonna be exciting. Um, and I might say the word shit slightly less than I did this time. But no guarantees. No guarantees. <laughs> uh, if you have a question for us, um, the list is getting quite long now, but we will get to them all eventually. Um, then you can find us at historyofsexy.com. Had to think about that. <laughs> at historyofsexy.com and you can contact us there and send us a message. Um, and we will um, do our best to answer your question. Or you can find merchy stuff there. Or you can just say hello. Or you can support us on Ko-fi. Um, we don't have any new subscribers because apparently the Kofi separated from our PayPal and stopped asking people if they wanted to um, subscribe. So yeah, we have uh, we, we have fixed, fixed that, that now. now. Um, yeah, so... Janina noticed it because she's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and we will be. Um, you can find us. You can do stuff. Everything is there. Yeah. Go. Yeah. That's, um, that's anything else? 
that's it, I that's think. It. That's it. Are we done? I think we're done. We're done. Yay! All right. <laughs> Bye, Julina. Bye.